Hello travellers, and welcome to Tales from the Dark Dragon's Inn, Season 2, Episode 11, Timing is Everything. If you like what you're hearing, there's now over 40 minutes of exclusive audio content on our Patreon, available to members of every tier at just $1 a month, and this is going to continue to expand. You can find us on patreon.com forward slash darkdragonsin. Check the show notes for more. We're not quite out of the woods yet. This week's episode was also recovered from a backup, but thanks for sticking with us. Rest assured, we're doing our best, and your patience is appreciated. This week, we have the whole crew. Hi, I'm Vinny. My pronouns are he, him. I play Murren, the half-orc monk. His pronouns are he, him. I'm Liz. My pronouns are she, her, and I play Toby, the tiefling warlock of the Raven Queen. He uses he, him. Hi, I'm Tom. My pronouns are he, him, and I play Urbach, the lizardman wizard. He uses he, him pronouns. I'm Nina. My pronouns are she, her, and I play Mix, the Asimar warlock of the Fae. Her pronouns are also she, her. And I'm Ray, your host and game master. I use he, him pronouns. I play Skrull and the Doomsinger, who both use he, him pronouns too. And I also play just about everyone else. And now, on with the show. Hey there! So glad you can make it! Can you believe all this happened when they've been in the city less than a day? Seems a bit suspicious if you ask me. Makes for a good story though. Let's get you seated, shall we? I once spoke with a rogue who said timing was key. When you take things of value as though they were free. That advice, I'm afraid, came two years too late. As Toby screwed up, serving us on a plate. So I'm heading over to the tents. I'm assuming I can remember which one. There were a couple, and the one that you were invited into was the largest of two on one side. So I'm heading to that one first, but I'm looking around to make sure that if I walk in through the front of the tent, no one's going to notice the tent opening sure. and closing on its own. As you start approaching the tent, the tent itself is actually sealed so the front tent flaps are closed over because obviously no one's working today Mm. so they are closed with the drawstring on the front can i see anyone around there are still guards these tents are near the entrance to the city so like anyone's paying attention or looking in my direction there is the gate there are guards on either side of it so there are guards facing down the road going into the city, which would be in the direction of the tents and the tables, and there are guards facing out of the city. So whilst there aren't necessarily guards specifically looking at the tent, the tent is certainly within the line of sight of the guards. I want to take a walk around just to see if there's another way in, like if it's all completely secure, if I could just sure. peep in under the canvas. You do a quick perimeter scan, and it is a solid tent, so there isn't another entrance, It looks like it's meant to be a tent made for functions, so there's one main entrance, and there's no real way to get in that you can see at a glance. If you're determined to get inside, you might have to make one. I'm a bit reluctant to cut it open, because then when people do come back to work, they'll probably notice that. Yeah, I'm going to go back to the front and try and undo the drawstring and hope that no one notices this drawstring I'm doing by itself. So another option is you could partially dismantle the back side of it, potentially, and climb under. But doing it through the back is probably the safer option. Like, I'm assuming there's no one... There's no one around the back, yeah. It's, it's heading towards buildings. There are certainly risks involved, 
but not necessarily as much risk of being visibly caught outright. I'm going to go around and try and open it from the back. Sure. You wander around the back, and there are two or three different places where you can see there are some pittons very heavily wedged into the ground that are holding down the guide ropes of one side of the tent. So in order to release this and therefore remove enough tension from one of the portions of the back wall of the tent you'll either need to detach this rope remove the pitten from the ground or cut the rope i'm gonna go with removing the pitten from the ground it's just a steel rod with a loop of metal at the top that you can hook a rope around in this case the rope is just wound around and then tied in sailor's knot so that it's secure first i'm gonna try and just pull it out with my hands there's a 20 what the <laughs> you reach down and you put both hands on it and you think about leverages and you think about the way you remember Scrawl lifting the gigantic stone-like egg back in the cave, the way he braced himself against it and then dropped down into a squat position and then hoisted with his knees instead of his back and you wrap both hands around the peg and you ballast your weight against it as you go into a squat and you find that it actually creates a really natural balancing position you as hard as you can drive your feet into the ground and with one hefty pull the peg comes out completely in one swoop and very briefly you're actually lunged forwards as the tension on the rope hauls you off your feet the momentum of you driving your feet into the ground and pulling out this peg combined with the sudden release of tension on this rope sends you rushing forwards towards the tent wall but you manage to catch yourself just before you collide with it you see that the side of this tent is now loose enough that you could probably lift it and enter it's a quite heavy leather type material do my best to lift it up and peek in you lift it up it doesn't make much noise because you're in the middle of a city there's people coming and going on the main road so there's nothing that immediately gives you away walking into this tent don't like how that was phrased (laughs) you lift it you duck under and make your way inside. It's pretty dark in here, given that pretty much all of the entrances to the tent are completely sealed, but you have dark vision. So you walk in and everything's in black and white. There is the makeshift desk, which you recall Nant was sitting at and working on. There is the table, which you recall the elderly tiefling was sitting at. And there are a couple of chests in the far left corner towards the back of the tent. Okay, I want to investigate the desk first. Is it just a makeshift desk, did you say? It's It's a makeshift desk, yeah. It's more of a small table that's tall enough for him to write on. It's a writing stand more than a desk, really. There's not any drawers or anything. You feel around the structure of it. There aren't any drawers, necessarily. As you feel around the surface of the desk, it seems fruitless you're feeling around in the wood. But you do notice that There's a lot of grooves on the surface of the desk. You don't find any drawers or anything that might contain an object of any kind, because it is a makeshift writing desk. But there is a lot more 
grooves and indentations on the top of this than you might perhaps have expected from just regular wood. What you are feeling is the indentation of writing. If I look close enough, can I make out any of the writing, or is it? Well, you've got to remember it's it's dark in here, so you're only seeing in black and white. So it would be very hard for you to see that. It would be hard for you to tell what was written here if it was daylight in the dark. There's no chance you can see what's written here. In that case, I turn my attention away from the desk and decide to go and investigate the chests. Although I'm a little bit worried about if there is something incriminating in there. If Ned Fangle is the kind of person who would trap it so there's a more ornate looking chest and on top of it is a smaller box i'm gonna investigate the small box first it's about eight by twelve and it's a six inches deep plain ordinary looking wooden box with a lid does it look like it has a lock you can see a keyhole for sure even though i'm just assuming that it's locked i try and lift the lid anyway are you leaving the box in place and then lifting the lid or are you gonna pick it up and i'm leaving it where it is and trying to lift the see if the lid just lifts up you gingerly reach down put your hand on the box lift the lid and yeah it's locked and the chest beneath it is ornately decorated but has a latch mechanism which is just sealed with a padlock and it's quite clearly locked from what you can see even at a glance what i'm thinking is possibly just taking the small box but Obi would be worried that as soon as anyone comes back, they're going to notice that that's gone. I mean, you would assume so. And that's immediately going to cause trouble for all sorts of people. I'm going to take the box. Obi's reasoning is it's more likely to think that they misplaced it than to come back and see that it's broken. <laughs> I think I'm just going to take the small box. He's more thinking that anything important will probably be in the ornate chest, but without breaking that, no way of opening it. I want to try and break the padlock. <laughs> So I'm going to try and break the actual lock part of it Mm -hmm. with my dagger. Jamming the pointy end into the actual lock bit and maybe trying to either turn it or gouge it out. You jam the dagger into the apparent locking mechanism and holding the padlock, give it an almighty wrench. The actual locking mechanism snaps. You see the section where you would have potentially put the key completely malforms it doesn't pop out and as your knife just turns right through the metal of this keyhole but you give the padlock a little pull afterwards and it actually does unlock after i lost some my little victory to myself in my head and easing the lid up just in case something happens so i can mm-hmm. slam it shut again so you take the padlock out you flip the latch And then you slowly ease open the lid. What you find is silks, gold, platinum, silver, small jewels, watches, some nice tools, stores of food, but stuff that's non-perishable, like candies. There's some fine leather that's not worked in any way. It's just strips of fine leather. You get the impression that this box is effectively where the tolls, whether they are the legitimate tolls or simply the tolls on what people are bringing through the gates, you don't know. But some of the valuables, at the very least, that are taken from people are kept here. Maybe it's now suddenly very conflicted because part of their deal with uh, Rilsa is to, to return the stuff that was stolen from the people. But I'm aware that if I take all of it, that's probably going to end up backfiring on the people once the tolls are open again. How much time has passed? Eh, maybe five minutes. What are the rest of you doing whilst this is happening? I assume would be keeping an eye on the 
10. I mean, yeah. presumably at a distance, at yeah, least at the end of the street by the buildings. And stuff. I'm trying to look inconspicuous by lecturing the other two on anatomy incredibly boringly. Doomsinger is just smoking his newly received pipe and oh. blowing different spectral monsters at you. Nyx is actually taking notes. That's what Urbach's telling her, because maybe it'll come in handy. You never know. So you're actually not keeping an eye out. You're taking notes on anatomy. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> flitting between Urbag's specimen, Doomsinger, puffing magic dragons, and the tent. You're basically just idling. Loitering. You are loitering. <laughs> Criminals. We'll cut back to Toby. So I decide that this is not a decision that I'm comfortable with making by myself in the moment. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to sneak out of the tent. I'm not going to put the pit in back yet because I do plan on coming back. And I'm going to make my way over to the guys. Before that happens, though. Oh, no. <laughs> So you lift the tent flap and step out. You're not covered in paint, but you step out from under the flap of the tent and you see a shadow of movement and try to dash out of the way as a wave of blue paint comes flying towards your face. It mostly misses your head and collides with the wall of the tent behind you, but it goes all down the front of your shirt and your jacket. And standing quite smugly in front of you is Urk. Can we see this happening? This is behind the tent. Oh. You guys are out in the main street, so no. I think it's about time we had a conversation. All signs of the right, yeah, you lost accent completely gone. Perhaps your friend should be involved too. Sorry, it's just... It- <laughs> He's smiling broadly, and his hands are clasped politely in front of him. Fine. You should know that paint's not coming off. Fantastic. What is it? Paint? He just smiles. Fine. Just follow the blue streak of paint, I guess. That's that's fine. Uh, Tell you what, why don't I just wait for you where, uh, where I saw you? That delightful little alley you stepped out into. I'll be there in a few minutes. Bring your friends. Not completely wanting to waste my spell. I take my jacket off and put that in my bag. You take your jacket off. The shirt underneath is blue. Toby's just like, oh, come on! <laughs> he takes that off too because no one can see him. You take the shirt off and now you've got blue nips. <laughs> Yikes. For all to see. <laughs> he stood there just watching you take this off and crossing his arms and smirking. And as he hears you getting flustered and taking your shirt off. <laughs> I told you it's not coming off. I put my cloak that I have, the magic cloak, around me. Mm-hmm. And now your cloak is blue. Oh, what the fuck? When you move the cloak away, it doesn't stay stained. It's almost like this position in front of you is going to be blue. That's... We'll get to that Like, later. you put your hand on your chest as you take your shirt off, covering your nipple, realizing, oh my god, I am, I am half naked right now, and your hand is blue. That's clearly not just paint. I put my shirt back on. I mean, yeah, it's I not not paint. paint. Yes, but it's not normal paint. That's right. not strictly true. Whatever, that's just... That's just yes. <laughs> Busted and faintly annoyed go over to the rest of the guys. 
Assuming they can see this blue streak walking towards Do you want to sneak over there, or are you actually going to walk over in broad daylight? No, I am going to sneak over there. Murren and Urbach, conveniently also the only people actually keeping an eye out. Loose. You both notice every now and again, as you're trying to keep an eye on the tent area, you begin to see a patch of blue darting from shadow to shadow, and getting slowly but surely closer to you. I think maybe you're just clinging to the sides of buildings, you're not actually hiding behind them you're just dashing from building to building pressing yourself against it so it looks like someone's tossed blue paint on the wall yes just ever moving stain across the yeah anytime you see a random passerby you stop and then when they stop paying attention you move on murren urbach you notice the splat of blue paint relocating itself and it originated from the tent i begin to slowly stop lecturing whilst just looking over to it Slightly confused. Yeah, I've stopped listening. Uh, Doctor, do you see this? <laughs> I. Everyone may need to go over there. See what? <sighs> oh, that one was quite good. Did you Did you see that, Marin? Marin, look, Marin. <laughs> yes. It was. It was really big. It was great. I. I especially liked the extra fangs. What are we looking at? I'm not quite sure. Paint doesn't normally move, does it? I don't know. You get to a building that is near to the side of the road that they are on the opposite side of. Um, everyone. Um, I think, I think we should. I think. I think that's. I think that's Toby. That's Toby. Heavens above! Little fucking street urchin from paint over me. How far away am I from Toby right now? You're on the other side of the road, but not far. At this point, you've definitely heard Murren and Urbach talking to him, so you can probably hear Toby intentionally whispering at you. And you can definitely see the blue streak. It's now directly in front of you. I'm going to cross the road and get a better look at this blue thing that is pretending to be Toby. (laughs) I'm not look suspicious. (laughs) To be fair, it's the only person who's actually considered that it might not be Toby. You head over to the other side of the road, and it's just, say, like a foot and a half, two foot splat of paint. I want to poke it. Do you let her poke it? Yeah, don't stop her from poking me. You poke it, there appears to be a person there. If I touch the blue stuff, does any of it get on my hand or anything? When you put your hand over it, as you reach out, you can kind of see the blue through your hand, but then you pull your hand away and there's no blue on your hand. Oh, shoot. Okay. I was hoping to get a sample to compare it to my other paint sample. (laughs) I'm going to poke it again and be like, what are you? A six foot tall purple tiefling. We don't look very purple. I just take her hands and put them up to where my horns are so that she can feel the shape. And oh. now there's really lewd fan fiction on the internet. <laughs> there are people that know this has happened and it is inevitable. As this is being done, immediately realize, oh, right, you are a six foot purple tiefling. Hi, how'd it go? Hi. Well, I'm covered in magic paint. What happened? So I found some stuff, possibly the stuff that has been taken from the poor people of the outer city as tolls. And I decided, no, I decided I wanted to confer with everyone first because I wasn't comfortable just taking it because if I just took it, then they would know that it had been taken and maybe things would just get worse for the people in the outer city rather than better because then they'll be angry because they took it. I exited through the tent and then, have you met a half-orc boy named Urk by any chance? I'm pretty sure yes. Uh, he 
threw blue magic paint over me as I came out of the tent. Is he just playing a prank? I think he knows exactly what's going on and did it deliberately. He wants to talk to us in the alley where I originally went invisible. That's not a nose kid. Yeah. Okay. I think we should definitely do that because he dropped all of his pretense of being a helpful but fleecing street child. Well, that's comforting. So let's go with the others and uh, go and talk to him in that alley over there. And I'm pointing at the originally went invisible. And I'm actually, as we walk away from the house, I'm sticking, I'm standing behind Mix as we walk, but really close so that no one's going to see this random blue thing floating in the air. They'll probably just think it's on Mix. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> That's fair. It's a good plan. Motion for Urbach and Marin to come over if they haven't already. Scroll on the Doomsinger. See you motioning and head over. We shuffle over. Mm-hmm. Guys, we gotta go meet with an Urk. Oh, what? The Havok boy. Yes. Yes. That urchin? Yes. He's the one that did this to Toby. He threw some magic paint over me and I think he knows a lot more than he lets on. So we should go and talk to him before this becomes a bigger problem. Magic paint? Hmm. We can investigate Almost the magic like paint. Of I think Mix already tried, but that can happen later. Let's go talk to this guy. Mix takes Urvac's hand, puts it through the blue. I wish he'd asked before doing that. Really must get a sample. I wonder if it's my turn, my turn. Yeah, no. no. <laughs> oh, what are we doing? Just poking at this blue Toby smear. Toby is being molested by every <laughs> member of the party. No, I'd rather not. I don't know that anybody else saw the alley that you went into, oh, and you're invisible. <laughs> Maybe you just take Mix's hand. Yeah, she like, realises I'm pointing. They can't see me pointing. I just take Mix's hand and lead her into the alley. Whilst also still trying to walk close to her at the same time. Blue random thing floating in the air. You lead the party via Mix as a proxy into an alley. Are you guys going to try and sneak in here or are you just going to walk nonchalantly? I'd say Toby's going to sneak, but he's holding onto Mix's hand, so it's... I'm a sneak. Yeah, I think I should. Yeah. So you walk into the alley, you keep an eye out and then wait for a moment where there's no one particularly nearby or paying attention, then you duck in. Scraw and Urbach manage to compensate for you and Doomsinger bumbling as they actually watch out for you and then go, right, go on. They duck in themselves. Urk, the half-orc, half-tiefling child, is standing in the middle of the alley, with his hands behind his back, waiting patiently for you. Such a pleasure to finally have you all here. You don't sound the same. Told you he dropped all pretenses of the whole really helpful street child who just wants some money. I do just want money, generally speaking. However, life on the streets isn't easy for one such as myself, and people tend... Well, would you have given me silver as somebody who was living poor on the streets if I spoke to you in this manner? Would you have believed that I am but a homeless wretch without a penny to his name? I mean, we know Doomy. I believe he's quite well put together, financially speaking. Mix looks at the Doomsinger. Well, perhaps not anymore. From what I've heard on the streets, you're all rather bereft of anything of value to me at this point. Glad to know that that got around quickly. He shrugs an unfortunate turn of events. But that is not why I have invited you here today. And indeed, quite frankly, I could care less what you were doing in that tent. Except for the fact that you obviously don't want anybody to know what you were doing in that tent. Or that you were in there at all. And therein lies the rub. Oh, was it what you want? He's gonna blackmail us. Well, that's evident. Oh, please, let's not resort to such slanderous terms here. We're friends, aren't we? 
We've had such a good time together today. Yes, I'm having a thrilling adventure. We had such pleasant conversations yesterday. You recall I was telling you about our city and the people that live in our uh, humble lower city. I took you on a tour before I took you to your destination. Do you recall? Yes, I remember. Now, who amongst you remembers the House of the Demon? Yeah, I think I remember that one. Yes, well, uh, that's true. And there is something of significant value in there that I would like. And what's what in might that be? I think what's in well, is him not telling everyone that we were sneaking into the tent. He taps his nose. <laughs> Bingo. What in this house is it that you're after? A particular book. One that belonged to the previous owner. If you recall, I said that he was a wizard of no small talent. He summoned a demon and expired. And now that property belongs to said demon. The demon cannot leave the property, but it's a little bit protective of its home. So, you want us to go into a house, I'm not even going to say potentially dangerous, a dangerous house with a demon in it, and get this book for you? That's about the size of it, yes. You know what the book looks like? Mm, no. You know what it's called? It shouldn't be called anything. It's a personal notebook, probably. What do you want with this book? It belonged to a wizard that summoned a demon. What do you think I want with it? To summon a demon? No, dear. Wizards take notes. Their magic is not innate to them. They study the world and the way that energy interacts with its environment. You travel with a wizard, I assume you know this. They write spells that they themselves have formulated, and they can use them at will. Often these books become a source of power for them even, as the very nature of the arcane words which they imprint upon the pages become a channel of sorts. The book I am requesting belonged to the wizard in question. His name was Bartholomew, and I require his notebook. Don't really think we have a choice here, guys. Neither do I. Hmm. Well, <clears throat> I'm always interested in learning the application <coughs> of more alternative arcane arts. Just, just one small, tiny detail here. I am aware that you are a wizard. I am aware that all wizards seek knowledge at every turn. Rest assured, if you fuck me, it will not go well for you. It seems unnecessarily hostile. I really wanted to look at it. You must not open the book. You must come to me sealed. You must not take anything else from the property. And the book must come to me as you find it. These are my conditions. If you agree to them, never a word shall be spoken about this from me to anyone else. Well, you say it demon lives there? Yes. Know what kind of demon? I do not. Why haven't you gone yourself? Because it's very dangerous and I'd prefer to live. Because of Also, I am a child. You may have noticed. There are limits to my physical capabilities, and though I have many gifts, I prefer to risk others' safety than my own. Farming. Quite. You mean to say there is a chance we might encounter this demon? I think so. Oh, I would expect so, yes. <sighs> it's also worth considering that it's quite possible the entire place is trapped. I've not explored it well enough to know. Hooray. He was a wizard. Those sorts of spells tend not to expire. Even bigger hooray. That's reassuring. Well, there's the possibility that the house you're going into could be trapped, and there's the possibility that there could be a demon that might want to kill you, or there's the certainty that the guards will string you up by your toes and cut you into ribbons. I want to go with the uh, possibility the house is extremely trapped and we're definitely going to have to fight a demon. Maybe. 
maybe they might not be there anymore. It's been a while since I sent anyone in there, so... What? No, you know what? No, I don't want to know. I'm going to say that I agree, because we're fucked if he tells anyone. <sighs> Getting real tired of people asking us to do things we don't want to do. You should perhaps be a little more careful where you uh, turn invisible. Yeah, that one's on me. Make glares back and forth between Toby and... <laughs> She's just glaring. She's glaring at a blue stain. I only asked that you let me finish what I was doing before you paint over me. I see no reason why I should stop you. I have no interest. Do as you wish. Before we conclude our meeting, he snaps his fingers, and in the other hand, a sheet of paper appears, which has a short agreement on it that effectively says, do this for me and I will never speak a word of it. And he pricks his finger and bleeds on it, just wipes a smear across the bottom. And then he hands it to you and says, now if you'll do the same, we will have an accord. Yeah, I do the same. You prick your finger, smear blood across the bottom of the sheet. Do you hand it back to him? Yeah. You hand it back to him. He snaps his fingers. The paper vanishes. Thank you. Now, is there any way for you to get this off of me? Of course. And he blinks. And it's gone. The magic paint told you. I reaffirmed that paint was quite ordinary. Well, something you did to it is magical. Yes, that's true. But the paint was perfectly normal. Remind me where this house is and where we should meet you once we have the book. He sighs and pokes you square in the middle of your chest. And you have a very vivid recollection of where it was. Now, the agreement you just signed did say 24 hours, so I expect you want to get a hurry on. I'll meet you at the docks, I think. That's where I'll be this evening. Toodaloo. And he turns around and walks off into the shadows of the alley, which appears to be a dead end. You've still got plenty of time on your spot. Hey, I see you reaching for the skip button, but listen, there are a ton of fantastic shows out there. Here's one you could be missing out on right now. You wake up cold and alone, a new power running through you. Just call me Tara. Oh, my name's Meredith. Mary Burrows. You can call me Natalia. We wish to offer you a pact. All you have to do is choose. Don't hit my friend. You're bigger than this now, but you can keep it because you made it. And when you make something, that matters. Whenever he grabs Tara's arm, Tara does his best to like flex it a little <laughs> bit. The Mortal Path is a 5th edition D&D podcast with goofs and plot galore. Head on over to themortalpath.com to subscribe on your podcast app of choice. See now, was that so bad? And now, on with the show. So I'd say Toby turns to everyone, but they can't really see him turn. Well, we should definitely get to that. But first, so I found a box in there and I found a chest. I managed to open the chest. I've stolen the box. Don't know what I'll notice. They probably will notice. But inside the chest was a lot of very valuable stuff in it that is clearly stuff that has been taken from people as tolls. I didn't just want to take it because I feel like if I... I mean, aside from the fact that someone has obviously been in there and messed around, I've at least stolen the box. They're going to notice if the stuff goes missing, and I'm just worried that if the stuff goes missing, they might start treating the people from the outer city even worse. So I wanted to ask you guys, what do you think? I do have one question. Uh, we spoke with Ogda. And she did mention, or seemed to imply at least, I don't really remember the details of the conversation yesterday, but she did seem to be aware that tolls were taken at the gates. So, are we under the assumption that 
there are tolls that are legitimate, but he is taking more than he should. I think And that's... if that's the case, do we know that this box that you found is the excess and not the actual tolls that should have been taken? That's the other part is I'm pretty sure there are legitimate tolls and that this guy is just abusing his power to take more than he should. These could be legitimate takings for the city and maybe he's put the excess that he's taken somewhere else. I don't know. I mean, the the kind of stuff in there is it's got gold, it's got platinum, it's got silver. I mean, depending on how many people you're going through the gate, platinum seems a little bit excessive. What if they didn't have change and he just gave them change for their tolls? That could be possible. There was food in there as well. I didn't feel comfortable taking any of it, aside from the box that I put in my backpack. There's I haven't taken anything from this really ornate chest, and I wanted to discuss with you guys um, what you think we should do. I didn't feel comfortable making a decision on my own. Time is of the essence. This spell will run out half an hour, maybe a little bit more, maybe a little bit less, so we need to make a decision quickly. Are we just leaving that stuff there, or...? Well, would they know if anyone had disturbed the tent? They can't see me, but I pause. I'm just kind of like, uh, they might possibly know that someone was. I did kind of break a lock to open the chest. So they're going to know either way. Hmm. They're going to know that someone is in there, but less suspicious if nothing of value seems to be taken. I keep mentioning it. I did also say this when I take the box out of my backpack. I'm assuming, like to them, the yeah, box a box like, just <laughs> appears out of nothing and floats in front of you. Huh. It's locked. I can't open it, so I don't know what's in it. And I didn't want to break it because that's okay. That's kind of, I guess, in hindsight, if I didn't want to break anything, I shouldn't have broken open the chest. But hey ho! Should uh, should we return it to Ogda? Well, we don't know what's in it at this point. I just shake it, see what it sounds like is in there. There is the sound of movement, but it sounds very muffled. Not muffled like you would expect, because it's a thick wooden box, but muffled like there's something soft in here and something hard is bouncing against something soft should we just open it it's locked i mean we can get around that surely does anyone have the tools or the know-how to pick a lock or any kind of magic that could open this at best i could blast it open or burn it open but probably not a good idea well, that could just destroy whatever's inside as well. The problem is, is that if the lock is broken, as you say, where you took it from, they're going to know that someone was in there. Well, they're already going to know that someone was in there. The question now is, what do we do with this? Do we just put it back, or do we find a way to open it to find out what's inside it? I think we should find a way to open it. That way we can at least maybe get an idea of... Why don't we just break it? What difference does it make at this point? I say we take it to Rilsa. They're the only people who could possibly keep hold of this thing. Here's what we know. They're going to know someone has been there. Toby has left evidence. Isn't it going to be more suspicious if nothing is taken? Surely they will know that we're trying to find evidence at this point. Perhaps that would induce more ire than simply making it look like a theft or a robbery. We've got this box. Why are we not breaking this when we've already broken one? What's the problem with breaking another? I'm confused. Ultimately... What difference does it make? We could break it, we could not break it. If we're not going to break it, there's no point in taking it. As far as the other box goes, I personally think it's more suspicious if we take nothing. Because then they're going to want to know why someone broke into their tent, broke into their secure box, and took nothing when presented with 
gold and platinum. That's a lot more suspicious to someone who has wealth. Indeed. We need to take something from there. Make it look like a random robbery, rather than a specified, well, rather than deliberately going for this thing. But I'd rather open this in a controlled environment. Do you remember the chest we opened back in that cave? Acid. Poison fumes. This may be small, but I've certainly no intention of going for anything like that again. Okay, so, why don't, and I'm putting the box back into my bag, we'll deal with that box later. Having heard Doomsinger's words, Scrawl's just gonna try and grab it. Oh, God. As you go to put it in your bag, Scrawl reaches past Mix and Urbach, takes it out of your hands. Hmm. Murren. Yes? You opened that chest in the cave. Do you still have your, uh, mace handy? Sure. He hands you the box. Here, open this. Uh, Backing away. You do remember that the chest was linked to a trap in the area. If that was going to cause gas to come out of the city streets, I think we'd all be in a lot more trouble. If you think the only kind of trap is gas, then you've got another thing coming. Very well. If you're all afraid, we can use my glaive to open it from a distance. I'll just give it here. Please don't set it on fire, because you might just destroy whatever's inside it. So first, shouldn't we quickly grab something else out of that tent? Her extra pointy dagger and try and open it. And I'm not sure it would survive my mace either. Well, if there's a seam, slide the dagger into the dagger, wedge it open. I guess. Mix tries to follow along the line of the box with the tip of the dagger. You stick your dagger in and you run it along the open seam and it moves through the seam area really easily because there's nothing to intervene with it and then you hit the part where the locking mechanism is attached to the lid of the box and you try and push it through the metal and it doesn't budge at all and then you change the angle of your dagger slightly and just shift it into the wood and with a little bit of brute force you actually carve around the lock into the top of the box because this is really soft wood and your dagger just cuts right through it and the lock mechanism is no longer attached to the lid yes I'm just going to open it. Hold your breath! And inside (laughs) is a rich, deep red velvet lining that is filling the bottom of it. Looks quite cushiony, quite soft. And buried in this lining are two silver balls about two and a half inches across, and they're just sitting there. Huh. Well, that was unexpected. Okay. idea what these are? Pick so one you pick one up, and as you do so, you feel it vibrate slightly as though something was moving around inside of it. And as you pull it out, you hear a faint jingle. going to shake it again and see the jingling intensify. Yeah, you shake it, and the jingling is very clear when you shake it. As you're holding it in your hand and shaking it, you see that there's a patterning on the ball. Can I make anything of it? Like You stop shaking it, you look at it, it's not patterns, it's words. It just says, Tenant with love. Oh no. And there's random swirls all over the rest of the ball. And you look down at the other ball in the box and you see that there's words written on that one too, but you can't quite make them out because of the angle the ball's setting it. Oh boy. I had to call over from where I'm stood. So, what is it? Sword? A gift. And I hand Urbach the balls to inspect. I very carefully take one of them. Mm. Well, that's... Murren, you actually know what these are. Kreev used to use them all the time. He used them when he was meditating. He would just rotate them between one another in his hand with one hand. He'd just swirl them around. Like medicine balls. Exactly, yeah. That's exactly what they are. 
Um, I believe those are called uh, medicine balls. Here, may I? I'll pass it over to him. And then, Ix, if you would pass me the other ball. Sure. And she takes the other one and gently tosses it over. Myron takes both of them from you and begins to rotate the balls around one another in his hands in an ever more intricate patterns as he swirls them backwards and forwards between his fingers. And initially it starts off, he's just turning them in circles between one another. And then he's doing figure eights. Myron, you feel extremely relaxed. Spinning these things around in your hand. Part of it's nostalgia, thinking about Creve and thinking about your memories of growing up in the monastery and something that's just so deeply rooted in something that was directly connected to the practices that you grew up with just feels very close to your heart in a way. But on top of that, you feel kind of rejuvenated, actually. You feel bolstered. Is this another magical item? It is, 100%. I don't know that Murren knows that. No. It doesn't feel particularly magical. You just feel very relaxed. It's comforting. It reminds you of your home growing up. <sighs> oh, takes me back. Hey, you try it, Doctor. Um, <clears throat> look, not as to fascinating be the... as this is, but we need to probably oh, get sorry. Yes. Up, Emergency. <clears throat> yes, not to be a stick in the mud, but this, this spell doesn't last forever. In fact, I'm going to say it probably only has about 20 minutes left. Would it be oh. worth putting this back in the tent, but upside down and maybe have the balls roll around so that it looks like maybe whoever broke in saw them, found them, and just wasn't fussed? Why do you want to put them back? Okay, look, and Mix takes one of the balls back and shows it to Toby. Look at the writing. I'm going to say it's the other one, and this one just says, from Marissa, yours always. I don't know who Marissa is. Oh, wrong one. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't think we should take anything that can definitely oh. be traced, so... I'm gonna or sec- of sentimental value. Well, I'm pretty sure they've taken things of sentimental value from other people. I'm less concerned... That of- is completely fair. I am less concerned with causing this guy emotional pain, and more concerned with if this this has an inscription on it, that if it's his... It can be traced, so... I second putting this back, I just dump it on the floor, then. I think I'll make the place look messy, like it was turned over. If we're all agreed, then I'm gonna head back over there. I'm fine with that. Wait, 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 wait. Wait. What if... What if... We... we throw... Okay, okay, bear with me. We know Toby's in there, so we know there's someone in the tent doing a robbery, right? Right? Yeah. Okay. So what if we let Toby have time to go in there, get what he needs, or makes a mess, and then we rush over and go, Gods, gods, I think I saw somebody go in there! And then we're the heroes again. And then it definitely wasn't us. We'd still and... be first on the scene. And we'd still be... Well, we're, we're here anyway. Exactly. But we're here anyway. If we're here anyway, and we're the ones that's, that pointed out that there was a crime. They're not going to think it was us. Okay, th- this plan could work. I only have one suggestion. When they ask you what the person looked like who you saw going into the tent, don't- Oh, we well, had a hood on. Don't describe me for fuck's sake. They were wearing a hood. All we need to do is say, hey, there's somebody in there. And then maybe you should cut your way out of the back to make it look like somebody just slammed in there or something. You could always set the tent on fire as well afterwards. That seems a bit excessive. What is with you people on fire? It's a handy way of covering tracks. That's my idea. I don't know. I like to be a hero. <laughs> I, 
okay, I I can agree to this plan. I'm not so sure about the fire part, but... Let's not do the fire thing. That seems like a bad idea. Also, we can't see you. I could just send Oz back to you once I'm out. Or you could just come back to us because you're invisible. Okay, so I go in there. I steal some shit. I sack the place. I leave. I come back. I tell you. You cause a scene and... Earback cast that spell, so it looks like someone else is running away from the tent, and therefore we can't be implicated. All right, I'll have to put a cloak on it of some kind. It's invisible. Having said anyway. that, do we have time to do this and deal with possible repercussions if we have to get to this demon house? That is also an excellent point. Rather than causing a scene, actually, because if we say that we saw someone, we could end up getting pulled into a whole interrogation <laughs> type sense. thing. Yeah, hmm. I'll just sack the place, and then we'll go and deal with this demon, and probably deal with the consequences later. The way things have been going for us lately is just nothing is smooth. And on that note, okay, I'm going to go do it now. Unless anyone else <laughs> has any, any, anything left to say, now's the fucking time! <laughs> uh, nope. Good luck. So, Toby immediately heads. Just grab gold. Go. There's platinum in there. I'm not going to stick to just gold. All the coins. Yes. Yeah. And my voice is getting quieter and quieter because I'm starting (laughs) to walk away now. Like to the tents and go back to where I've pulled up the uh, pitten. So, how do you think that pans out? Well, I think that Toby manages to get in there and he does take all the coin, throws all the stuff around. To make it look like it's been sacked. He does put the box with the two medicine balls back, but he kind of tosses it in a corner or whatever. But I think he's been causing more noise than he thinks he's been causing, and it mm-hmm. does still get the attention of some guards. You are just leaving the back of the tent, having looted the place and tr- done your best to make it look like it's been turned over, as the guards, not wanting whoever is doing this to get away, just cut through the ties in the front of the tent and throw open the entrance because you can always get more rope. And they rush in, and as they do so, they see the flap falling at the back. They rush around to the back of the tent, but obviously you're still invisible. There's nothing in sight anywhere. Spread out! Go get word! They start rushing around. Where were the rest of you? What did you guys do? Did you stay in the alley? Did you make your way away from the tent? What did you do? I'm going to say we were smart and made our way away as Toby was going in so that when things started getting busy, we weren't just standing there looking like we didn't belong. I think the demon actually came up on your tour mix. So maybe you know where it is roughly and you start heading in that direction. Toby catches up with you shortly afterwards. Toby? You are rushing towards your friends and you do quick calculations in your head and realize that in the next moment or so, your spell's about to run out and you're still in the middle of the street and you dive into the near side alley just quickly enough that your spell pops off as you stand behind something completely out of view from anyone and you step out casually and walk out into the street and catch up with your friends. Perfectly visible. Makes sticks out her hand to high-five Toby. I high-five her. I attempt to high-five. It's very awkward. You looted the equivalent of 1,800 gold. Oh my god. So, a slight hiccup did still end up causing a scene, but didn't get caught. Mostly thanks to being invisible, but... I mean, we, we should take our victories where we get them. 
I'm quite happy with that. Indeed. How much did you manage to swipe? Um, I don't know. I just kind of grabbed it all. I be honest, I don't plan on keeping any of it for me. The, the whole deal with Rilsa is to both stop Nant Fengel from taking advantage of them and also to try and get some of their property back. Now, we obviously discussed that we don't know if this is for legitimate tolls or if this is the excess, but I feel like getting it back to them and giving them something that hopefully can't be traced back to them is still good. It's a pity, really. We have one of those balls who could have planted it on someone who was a bit of ruckus. I'm not particularly comfortable with planting stuff on people or getting people into trouble if they don't deserve it kind of thing. Ah, uh, everyone deserves something or other. I'm not entirely sure that that's true, but I, that's your opinion. But at the same time, I, I think planting evidence on people could backfire in a much bigger way than just looting shit. Because the person I we mean, plant- the city does have more than enough guilty people to go around, to be fair. If that's the case, I'd rather- But it's too late now. We don't have them in any case. I'd rather get guilty people in trouble and judged for the things they're actually guilty of. Ah, uh, very well. So but we it's- should probably keep that gold somewhere safe. I don't want to find another alley again. Uh, that's a good point. Um, Leave keeping. Yes. I start digging through my backpack and I bury it deep in there, wrapped in something <laughs> so that I'm not just carrying it around on my belt or whatever. Uh-huh. I mean, I don't know if you guys agree with me, but I do think at least most of it should go to Rilsa and the people he's trying to help. Well, I think it's a good gesture of will, but also you're the one that went out of the way to loot it, so ultimately I do think it should be your decision. Absolutely. But do give it to Rilsa. I don't want anyone else trying to mug us. So, onwards and upwards to fight this baby demon. demon. (laughs) You know, I've never seen a demon before. Uh, It should be an exciting experience for all of us. And that's all we had time for. Join us next week for episode 12, Uninvited Guests. Before we close out, for those of you in the Manchester, UK area, please check our show notes regarding a missing cat named Ghost, who belongs to friend of the show, Yubi from the Mortal Path. Any help you can offer will be immensely appreciated. Until next time, travel safe, and remember, in this realm or the next, the scales of justice are here for you. Always. Always.